Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we've got a few changes just to keep you on your toes, right? Children go out at a different time. We like the Advent wreath. Uh, We're in Eucharistic Prayer B when we get to that. So um, if you've memorized Eucharistic Prayer A, you will have to open up your prayer books to get to Eucharistic Prayer B. And we're in different colors. We're in Serum Blue, which is Serum is the word for Salisbury the ancient town of Salisbury in England, and this was their advent color. Uh, We use purple in the chapel just to switch it up a bit because that's an advent color as well. So that's kind of Liturgy 101 in a capsule, but here we are in this liturgical season, this wonderful season, this hope-filled, waiting, expectant season. Because this is the season that we stand in that tension between remembering, looking forward to celebrating the first coming of Christ and yet also standing on the promises of God that Jesus will return, that there will be a second coming. So we stay in that tension But it's a time of hope. It's a time of preparation. And uh, because we can hope as Christians, there is a a certainty to the hope that we have because of the first coming, because the first coming was promised of God and happened. So the second coming has been promised by God and will happen. This is a, a wonderful period for us to give thanks to stay in that season of preparation, expectant hope. Um, Sometimes our collects, our opening prayers, beautifully gather together kind of the theme of the season and the lections for the day. Sometimes you kind of really got to look for the connection. But this is one of those days where the collect so beautifully incorporates the Advent theme for this first Sunday in Advent, but also the readings. And so we're going to look at that a little bit, of course, with the scriptures that are foundational underneath this collect, because the collects all come from scripture. And so it starts out as a petition. Almighty God, grant us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility. We'll stop right there for now. But you can see that the works of darkness and the armor of light come to us from this letter of Paul to the church in Rome that was read earlier. It comes this way. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. 
The night is far gone. The day is near. Now, for some people, night is a time for rest, for restoration. But for other people, and for a lot of other people, it's a long time. Night is a time where anxiety raises its head. Um, Sadness comes in. Fear comes in. All of those things that are going on in people's lives seem in the darkness hopeless. Um, And yet, when the beginning of the dawn chorus sounds, then they know that the sun is rising and the long night of darkness is coming to an end. And so the sun bursts forth into the darkness, dispelling that long night of darkness. That's what Paul's talking about. He's actually saying that this present world is the long night of darkness. But it's far gone. In fact, dawn has broken in. With the coming of Jesus, with the incarnation, the sun has risen. And so the darkness has been infiltrated by the light. There's this wonderful canticle that we read in morning prayer that comes from uh, Isaiah. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. For behold, darkness covers the land, deep gloom enshrouds the peoples, but over you the Lord will rise, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will stream to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawning. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The night is far gone. The day is near. The day has dawned. And the dawning day is Jesus Christ. He has brought light into the darkness and is extinguishing the darkness. The darkness in the world and the darkness in us. His light is shining in our hearts and in the world. He came this first time in great humility to visit us in great humility as a newborn babe in a stable in a manger. The light has come, but it is not yet as it will be. There is still darkness, but the light is moving into the darkness, and the darkness will never be able to extinguish this light. And as children of that light, we are to put on the armor of light. We are to be ourselves light bearers. And as we go, so darkness is extinguished within us, And through us, the light shines 
into the darkness. And we do that. How do we put on the armor of light? Well, for some people, it's starting off the day looking at the character of Jesus that is found in the Gospels. And so deciding each day to put on one aspect of that character of Jesus. If it is humility, or it is peace, or it is reconciliation, forgiveness, love, joy, all of those characteristics of Jesus, if we put them on each morning and remind ourselves that that is our armor of light for the day, then light shines forth from us and into our darkened hearts. Or some people remember in the morning their their baptism and, and what the Lord did for them in that that they died to the old way of life. In the waters, they died. We have all died in baptism to that way, to the darkness, that the darkness would overwhelm us. Now the darkness can no longer overwhelm us because we have passed from darkness into life. We died with Christ and we're raised with Christ. Light is within us, through us out into a darkened world. Some other people um, go to devotionals, devotionals that draw them further and further into the light of Christ. And still others get up in the morning, look in the mirror, say, I am going to put on the armor of God, which is the armor of light, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the shoes of the gospel of peace and the sword of the Spirit. As you get up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, I'm going to clothe myself with this armor. It's an armor of protection, but it is also an armor of light against the darkness. All of these things will help us to live honorably as in the day. Because the things against God are those things also that take place in the darkness. Licentiousness, debauchery, all of those things. And we bring light into our own hearts, where that happens in our own hearts, but out into the world. And then it goes on. So those are the things that we can do, as in Paul, always, as so also in the colic, there's a so that. Those are things that we do so that something. And so if you look, so that, grant us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, in the time of this mortal life, right now, while we're living in these mortal bodies, which will die, in which your son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility, that, so that, at the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. So that at the last day, at the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, 
when he comes again, when he returns, the light won't just have dawned. It will infuse the entire creation. It will do away with darkness once and for all. It is a day of triumph of our Lord. He will not come this time in humility. He will come in glorious majesty with the angel armies. And darkness will be no more. On the last day, the final triumph of good over evil, as it says in Isaiah, swords beaten into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. No more war, no more evil. But it's also going to be a day of judgment. You know, we say that in the Nicene Creed. We will say that shortly when we affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed that he will come again to judge both the living and the dead. It is a day of judgment. Paul, earlier in his letter to the church in Rome, on the day, the day, his day, the day he returns, when, according to my gospel, through Jesus, Christ, through Jesus Christ, he will judge the secret thoughts of all. And Jesus, to the Pharisees and the scribes, I tell you that on the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom than for you. And later on, I tell you, on the day of judgment, you will have to give an account for every careless word you utter. We should not be afraid on the day of judgment because as Christians, Christ has taken that judgment on himself. On the cross, all of our sin, all of our evil, was judged and he died and took them so that we may have his righteousness. There was an exchange. Our judgment fell on him and we are no longer liable for the judgment. John's Gospel. Very truly I tell you, Jesus says, anyone who hears my word And believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. And again in John's Gospel, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. Will we see those things for which we would have been judged on Judgment Day? Absolutely. And we might well tremble, but we do not come under it. And he took it for us. 
And so we enter through that day white as snow. He took it on us. So that day is a day of great triumph. It's a day of judgment. It's a day of new creation. Again, in his letter to the church in Rome, Paul says, Creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. It will be set free. Darkness will be eradicated completely. The sun that has dawned will come in its full brilliance. Creation itself will be made new. Both Peter in his epistle and John in the Revelation say there is a new heaven coming and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And then we come to that other promise in the collect. So that at the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. When he returns, not only is creation made new, but we are made new. In the same resurrected bodies as Jesus on the day of the resurrection, a body that the disciples felt, touched, a body that ate but was not constrained by the the same time constraints as we have in our mortal bodies, not in the same dimension as we live in, a different kind of way of being that that is mystery, that we don't even know fully what that will be, except that we see what Jesus is and what we will be because he's the first fruits. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, at the Lord's return, at the second coming, At the day. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. See, death has lost its sting for us who are in Christ because we pass through death into eternal life. But when Christ returns, death is dealt the final blow. There is no more death when he returns. Neither sickness nor sin, nor evil, no darkness. The night is far gone, but it is not yet eradicated, as it will be when the Lord returns on that day. But we don't know when that will be. We don't know, neither does Jesus. 
about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. From today's Gospel. No one knows except the Father. But that Gospel tells us that we are to be prepared. That's this season. Season of hope and preparation. Hope, waiting, preparation. All of those are themes during this Advent season. We are to be prepared. For he says, if the householder knew when the thief was going to come, if the day of the Lord was known, if the householder knew when the day of the Lord was going to come, he wouldn't have fallen asleep. He wouldn't have allowed his house to be burgled by the thief because he would have stayed awake. So we are to be prepared as if it's today or tomorrow or the next day. We're to live with the armor of light. We're to live in the sure hope that he will return and put all things to right. It's not a day to fear. It's a day to look forward to, but not to try and figure out when, but to be prepared. To live our lives, to be those people who are not only receive the light, but put on that armor and spread the light. So that the day is indeed far gone, and the dawn has risen, and the light shines. Almighty God, grant us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light now in the time of this mortal life in which your son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility that at the last day when he shall come again in glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit One God, now and forever. Amen.